Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. Okay, episode four, we've made it to the last one, and we are both narrowing our scope of the topic maybe, but we are broadening it to our audience. We would love this to reach educators and also parents and for a couple of reasons, primarily because we want people to be more augmenting in their sexual education. We are communities teaching our kids. We are not just one parent educating our kids. We're not just one teacher educating our kids. We're systems and communities teaching our kids about how to feel about themselves, how to be in the world, how to be in relationship. And in that context, we have incredible opportunity to be sharing resources with our kids' teachers to update their curriculum around sex ed. It depends what school district you're in. It depends what is being endorsed in that culture, in that environment, in that district, in that school, by that teacher, what they're comfortable with, and just inviting us to have those hard conversations um, with one another from adult to adult to make sure that we are moving and we are changing and we too are developing in our understanding of how to be caring wise, healthy, and inclusive in the way we educate our kids. And so, um, Ashton's going to walk us through some pieces here of that I think are going to be really relevant to to classroom education around sex and body ed, but also about helping parents remember the way we use language, and and also to how how to invite our teachers into conversations about can we be doing this differently so that my kid has a, b- a better understanding and a more updated understanding mm-hmm. of how we're going to have these conversations and what's relevant mm-hmm. to them. Sex ed now is not what sex ed was. It should not be now <laughs> what it was even five, 10 years ago. So this it is, is going to help. This is, we consider this the, the tool we are just giving you to be able to sit down with what you currently teach and ask yourself some questions through the lens of what Ashton's going to hand to you today. So, okay, you shoot, you go, (laughs) what do you want teachers to do differently? What do you want people to know or think through? Yeah. So I think the first thing I do is I just want to like, I want to, I want to affirm and I want to recognize how much teachers are doing for us and how much um, our educational assistants are doing for us and how sometimes little time there feels in a curriculum or in a day to tackle yeah. some of these things. So I, I do have yeah. a very full appreciation um, that there's a lot of things to do on a pro D day. <laughs> That's right. My hope is that um, that by talking about some of this, it will encourage and um, it will support some of those teachers and those educators to know where they could go to do that because it, it can be equally as overwhelming. Um, when I have worked with teachers and when I have spoken to them in the past, like some of the the general concerns are, I look at these kids every single day. I see them every single day. And so if we deliver information or, you know, we're asking questions and we're having these conversations in a way and someone discloses something to me, you know, like after the fact, I want to be an askable adult, but it would also be great if perhaps we bring in an educator. So I want to recognize the role that people like myself play where we, we do know that things are changing. 
and things are changing very yeah. quickly. Things are changing yeah. around language and how we present. And um, we spend a lot of time practicing how we deliver information to make sure that it is inclusive. And mm-hmm. while I would hope that that's part of a, a teacher's practice in general, it is wildly overwhelming for sure. Yeah. Um, so two things that I would always like to note is that, you know, where we are, we do have SOGI. So that is a resource for teachers for sure and educators. Uh, and yeah. we're also really fortunate to have OPT. So having options for sexual health, which is, mm-hmm. you know, our Canadian Planned Parenthood, they are incredible supporters and proponents, both as having educators that can come in to to support this, um, yeah. but also in training for for teachers and for educators themselves. So no right off right off the start of this episode. I know, I know you do so much educators. Um, and I just want to provide some, some tips or some things for us to be thinking about that are themes, themes that we've also been talking with our families because they, they do come together to complement each other. So the role of educators, or at least I can speak from my perspective as an educator is that we are very specific to our curriculum. We are very specific in uh, the topics that we cover and the things that we cover. It may look different in terms of the kinds of lessons that we provide, but we are pretty, um, we we stick very closely to developmental guidelines and to um, what is deemed appropriate based on, on the school curriculum. Okay. So what I would say to families is if you get a letter that says, Um, a sexual health educator is going to be coming in to talk to your kids. Um, Please know that we won't be teaching your children values or um, how to interpret this information within their family systems. We will just be giving the facts. Um, And so I would encourage teachers as well um, because they are supporting our, our youth in so many ways know that when it does come to sexual health education, it really is okay to provide just the facts. When you don't know, it's also okay to say, let's find out. And it's also, it's very, very um, important that you're working with the families so that the families can continue um, and be in the loop with where their kids are getting this information. Um, So there's that. Um, To start, to start, um, I, I don't think this is going to be surprising to our listeners, Karen, but I <laughs> believe that it should be inclusive. <laughs> there, there's that word again. Well, um, it I'd should like to be. think that's not a surprise, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll okay. say it. We'll say okay. it. The, the theme is inclusivity. So yes. gone, gone are the days of separating students on assigned sex or assumed sex and teaching them only what might be relevant to male or female. We don't do that anymore. I I don't know when exactly this has stopped, but at least in my own experience, I know this didn't happen. I know that I had all gendered um, comprehensive sexual health education, but I have heard from my friends that that is not the case across the board. Um, So please, please don't separate assumed gender of children. Children need to know about all the aspects and how it affects Mm -hmm. all bodies. Um, across the board in order to create just like a general understanding. So some of the ways I would suggest doing this and some of the examples that I have are whenever possible, try to use like gender neutral names, um, maybe like Sam or Taylor. Um, when we have um, education sessions with the littles and we use say like an anatomically correct doll when we're teaching body parts, 
we, one of the things that I love is having just a gender neutral name. So there isn't any preconceived idea or I'm not, I'm not layering that. You're not creating that. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what I love. So, um, I would think piggybacking kind of off of that idea would be examples of modeling both heterosexual and cis orientations. So, um, making sure that we're also including they, them pronouns, um, and when we're referring to bodies, we're not referring to boy and girl bodies, or we're, we would refer to That's a body, which, a body with a penis or a body right. with a vulva. We're not going to assign gender to, to bodies. We just know that some, some bodies are going to have a penis and some bodies are going to have a vulva. Most bodies, let's hope all bodies have an anus and that's inclusive. So um, like more, it's descriptive, not, not labeled. Yes. 100%. We're not adding a label. We're describing yeah. Okay. Yeah. Making. I think that's shift. big though. I don't, is that happening? Is that yeah. how? It's starting to. Really? Yeah. It's, okay. it's starting to. Yeah. Okay. Um, like I said, it's difficult. It's, yeah. it's difficult. I think I was sharing a story with you one time about how I was using they, them pronoun, uh, they, their pronouns in, in a work capacity because I was not, I wasn't sure about the gender of the individual and it, I, I've just been making a better practice of trying to use that when I don't know, because people can share yeah. with me what their pronouns are. Yeah. Um, so we want to remove assumptions about values or orientation. So that's, that's another big layer of inclusivity. Okay. Um, so making statements when we can. So something, for example, like this is Sam, Sam has a crush on a fellow student. They might have been hanging out for quite a bit and Sam is pretty confident that they like them back. Sam would like to explore this relationship further. What does this feel like, look like, or sound like? So that example, we don't know the gender and we don't know the gender that Sam is attracted to. So this provides a huge um, expanse. Wide open. Wide open for youth to see themselves in this example. In the narrative. Good. Yeah. Yes. Um, another example of language like this might be, um, Taylor is interested in having a sexual relationship with Jamie and they have already been dancing and making out at parties when thinking about consent, what should Taylor be aware of? Um, obviously the answer is getting an enthusiastic. Yes. But we might also say as we're talking about these, this is more developmentally for teens. So as an educator, yeah. I might say something like, is Jamie under the influence? And remember, yeah. folks can't give consent when impaired. Factors, and so, that's right. yes. And so using language to like folks, you know, to take out any specific gendered notion of mm-hmm. what is happening in this scenario so that our youth can see themselves in these examples. And then yeah. it's more applicable to them, um, I think is really, really important. Yeah. I was thinking about the the complementary nature of what happens in the classroom around education and then the the expansion of what needs to happen at home. Um and I kind of think yeah, like I I think I would urge parents to remember that because it's covered in school, even if it's really thoroughly covered in school, that that isn't like a Phew, I don't need to. That we need yeah. to we need to remember the what is actually being covered in school. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it it comes across half the time to parents as it's only like super biological, factual, 
like, I know that that's the bulk of it, but I think we believe that there's some context to the relationship nuance stuff that happens in that, those conversations too, when you're trying to have dialogue, particularly with like preteens into teenager years, that kids are starting to ask questions, not just about their changing bodies, but just about how that in the interaction piece and, and that parents should remember the value that they add oh, yeah. to, to, to that layer of the dialogue and that timing should matter. So if I know that I'm getting that letter home mm -hmm. this term um, for my daughter, I'm going to try and time that with the added module information, right? Like that they're covering one part and I've got a new, I've got the parent module. The parent module is going to look value add, right? It's going to yeah. be the, the other stuff about what does this mean for your life? Mm -hmm. Your life right yeah. now. What does this mean for the crush that you have? What does this mm -hmm. mean for how you're going to, what you need to pack in your bag for the locker room, what you're going to need in case you get your period for the first time yeah. and you're in school and what, because those are not things that yeah. are being covered in school. So yeah. the real life implementation of that biological factual knowledge, kids can't figure that out on their own. And I think that's where so much of the shame grows mm -hmm. is they walk out of the classroom thinking I should now know this or the, all the other kids must know this and mm -hmm. nobody talks about it. And then they, they get caught off guard and they feel embarrassed and then they wrap their shirt around their waist and they're right. Like I had a mm -hmm. beautiful phone call from a teacher who uh, from a, one of our admin in our, in our school for our daughter saying, you know, she's complaining of a stomach ache. She's at the office. She's asking for this. I'd love to support her and make her feel really comfortable. Um, it's unclear, but I am wondering, and I'm curious if maybe she's getting her period for the first time. And so I offered her, you know, I offered her something from the lost and found if she wanted to write. I didn't, she's like, I didn't point it out and I didn't ask her if that's what was happening, but I offered mm -hmm. the things that just in case that's what was happening would make her feel more comfortable to get through the next part of the day. She's not wanting to go home. So, mm -hmm. and just that, like that, I don't know, exchange made me as a parent feel confident that there's eyes on that are uh, caring and yeah. not just about the biology, right? About the yeah. social construct that sits around this experience for her potentially. And are we aligned in how we're going to yes. carry this over? And then when she came home, turns out that's not what was happening. Mm -hmm. And Yet that cued me to go, you know what, that could be a thing that happens. And so I'm going to say, if this ever feels like this again, and you're worried, that's a safe caring adult at that admin office that you can go to because she knows what to do. Yeah. Similar to what I would do if you were at home and this happened. Right. And so what would you like to carry with you in case it does? And what's that experience going to be like for you? Do you think, what would you worry about? Mm -hmm. None of that would have happened. Right. Without that yeah. cue of, and I thought that was so the timing of this, like we are in this together, educating our kids in a very whole way, not just in a categorical way. So big. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that it can be both complementary. In exactly how you just described it. And I think touching on your earlier point, when I go into a school, sometimes they might get me once. So that might be for yeah. one grade. That That's doesn't right. mean that they're asking us or they have the ability to have us come in 
for all of the different ages and that they are getting it consistently. Like Mm -hmm. that's part of the struggle as well for, for teachers is how, how do, what do they know? What did they learn last year? What is the basis of knowledge that we're, we're coming into this with? How do I keep it about the facts? But how do I also come along with these young people and not knowing what they don't know at home? We, we, we don't know. So I think when we're modeling some of these examples and we're trying to be particularly inclusive, we don't, we don't know what the values are going to be um, Mm -hmm. when the, when the children leave and we do need to open ourselves up. This is probably like a bigger conversation too, but we educators have a really wonderful um, role to be that safe place. If that support is not available at home as well. At home. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yes. And that's not, I I don't mean to say that in a judgment because I really do want to empower parents to know that they they do get to do that. They get to decide how this information lands at home, but sometimes in an absence of that, children may or youth may get an idea of how something might land and not not be sure and then feel unsafe. So um, I do think schools are doing a a pretty good job of this. I think that there has been a big turn in the last little while Mm -hmm. um, for this kind of inclusivity to start happening. Um, it's just tricky in that we don't, we don't realize how gendered we often are. We don't realize how, you know, cis hetero we are. We don't realize how nuclear we are when we're talking about families. Um, that's a huge conversation, you know, like about the patriarchy and how information has come down and like, that's a, that's a whole thing. So yeah. knowing that both for your educators and then for people like myself, um, we don't always get to spend as much time as we would like. That's right. Um, yeah. With, with it your kids. Li- within its limits. Yeah. You yeah. may not get a letter um, because it is part of the curriculum. So right. teachers covering this, you may not know when they are going to be covering it in the curriculum. So mm-hmm. it's hard to know if they are going to come home and have follow-up questions with you. So yeah. Yeah. those conversations at the dinner table of, you know, what did you learn at school today? Um, let's let's hope that they are going to feel comfortable to disclose that they receive some comprehensive sexual health education so that yep. as a family, you can decide how how to speak more about that, how to implement that. Um, so I can, I, yeah, it, it's so, I'm so happy that your daughter had that experience. I think like it really, I do think we've come a long way. Yeah. I think that, I think that at the end of the day for, for the people that I know that are educators, it's just that there's so much that they're trying to do. There's That's just right. so much. And yeah. I know that they're trying. So any of these like small tips or things. Um, I'm just really thankful for the educators who are also being those change leaders, those, you know, yeah. I'm just so grateful. Um, thinking about, thinking about biology, thinking about how it's probably easy, you would think to slip in human biology into a biology class. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think that, um, something that we might neglect to do in our attempt, in our honest attempt to talk about reproduction in its most factual sense, um, which is, you know, sperm meeting an egg, creating new cells, creating new life, implanting into a body of a uterus Mm -hmm. within, you know, that kind of concept is that we may forget to talk about the ways, all the ways in which people are created. Um, So I would love it 
if we were also just talking about how that there might be medical support or that just to normalize the experiences of not everyone is going to have penis and vagina sex that results in conception of a child. So I would like to see that there be a little bit more of a shift to us just saying like, yes, we know this happens, but do we know all of the different ways that it can happen so that families also come in many different ways? Because I think what can happen is that we don't see that diversity Mm -hmm. of family apart from a mummy and a daddy loves each other and that's then right. we had a baby. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it is really important for kids to be able to identify that you could have same-sex parents. You could have, um, you could be adopted. You could be yeah. um, supported because you, you know, you're, you're, I'm thinking of a very dear friend who has a medical condition where she's not going to be able to carry her own child. Mm-hmm. And they had a surrogate. And I, yeah. I would love for children to see and normalize all of the different ways and all of, yeah, all the different ways in which, um, in which this occurs. And then all of the different kinds of families that we could be living in so that that is also, people aren't feeling excluded if they don't have, Mm -hmm. you know, a mummy to go talk to or when they don't fit the template. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Just more opportunities for them to see themselves in the information that they are being given. um, I think it's incredibly empowering. Because the ages that we're teaching these kids are the ages developmentally where they are quite egocentric. It is about them. So they're trying to place themselves in whatever story is being told. They're trying to make it relevant to them. So you might think I'm just giving a generic map and go ahead and adapt it however you need to, to understand this information, this biological information. But at the end of the day, that kid's absorbing that, trying to figure out how do I fit that story? Certainly. And as an educator, we're not telling them, we're not telling them how we feel about same sex marriage or any of these um, values, values based things. We're just providing an opportunity for them to fit in the template they will be able to explore that with their own families or explore that on their own to make their own decisions about how they feel because they're autonomous in in doing that in their own sexual journey in their, their human sexuality. Um, Whereas for us, let's just make it the most inclusive template we can. So all children see themselves and they're forming a sense of identity that's That's true to them. Yeah. 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 Um, And then I also think Karen about the conversation we had last time. So I think episode Mm -hmm. three, which was really making sure that we're not forgetting about folks with disabilities and different abilities. Um, actually want to take out that I even said disabilities because it's in my practice to always say differing abilities. Okay. Differently abled. Um, yeah. So making sure that we don't forget about those folks with, um, just different abilities, uh, including Mm -hmm. examples of, of developmental disabilities, uh, is just as important when teaching, inclusive sexual health education. Um, It could be a physical disability. So making sure that we know that people, um, even though they appear different, still still have the same wants and desires and needs. Um, Their bodies change. All of those things are still happening. Yeah, And normalize, you know, if you're giving an example, normalize an able-bodied person dating someone that's differently abled uh, because that's a very real possibility. And if we stopped feeling so quirky and quirky and sticky and unsure and really pulled back to the value that that can have on people yeah. 
really being seen and being validated within their community as having equal I don't want to use the word. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so if we do that all the time, we're not even going to begin to think that it's abnormal. Mm -hmm. Where does abnormal come from? If if we see that all the time, we're just going to assume that there are so many possibilities and we are not going to limit our expression. Yes. Right. We don't have to then resist this fight with the idea of how is this possible that I have feelings for some when that wasn't. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it all okay. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So those would be some of my tips on inclusion. Um, And you don't have to do it just with with sexual health um, curriculum. Like there are a lot of ways in which we can, you know, perhaps in a history class when we are talking about, um, you know, suffrage, there's an opportunity there to have a quick sidebar discussion on uh, gender or power dynamics or some of these other things so that it's sprinkled you know, it's sprinkled in throughout um, so that we're constantly at providing opportunities um, for our youth to think about that in a different way. Yeah. So um, just knowing and empowering our teachers um, in that way. Also, they're doing a good job. Like, mm-hmm. thank you. You're doing, mm-hmm. you're doing a really good, doing a really good job. Um, yeah. And I appreciate it now even more. Um, trying to trying to I only educate on on this part of it I could only yeah. imagine what it takes to educate on everything so it is big big props and big thank you to the people who are are doing that work for us and I encourage so much for our families to to just be involved to know know what your kid is learning um, and being prepared to know how you want to follow up on that yeah beautifully put You, Ashton, covered so much in four episodes, but I'm so grateful for how digestible you made that and how applicable you made that and how warm you kept the conversation to us remembering that we are all working our best here. We're all doing our best. Mm -hmm. We have complex lives that we're navigating. Mm -hmm. Um, Our kids are complicated sex is complicated. Yeah. So (laughs) our bodies are complicated. So yeah, I mean, with all of that thrown into the pot, I thought this was such a meaningful um, series to do to, to gift to us parents that are often feeling at different stages of the journey, like we hit a roadblock or we feel Mm -hmm. like we're fumbling or we need some reassurance from someone Mm -hmm. like you where it's okay, we're on the right track, not too late, you can go back, you can redo. All of that I found so forgiving and helpful and has left me feeling more clear about what I want to be able to proactively have conversations Mm -hmm. with my own kids about Mm -hmm. and what to gain comfort in for myself and maybe give myself permission to explore more. Mm -hmm. It matters. I, you know, things that I may have dismissed is not mattering. I might think that they matter. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you you so much. Um, I appreciate you providing me the chance to, to speak in this, in this way. And, and there are so many great resources out there, uh, and it can be really easy to find handouts and worksheets. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to sharing some of those. I know we can put some of them in the show notes and in the different places that they find resources from you. Um, yeah one of the things that I'd like to point out for families right away is that there's, there is a really great book called sex positive talks to have with kids, a guide to raising sexually healthy, informed 
empowered young people um, that's come out through sex positive families. Um, There are also a couple of really great websites. Um, It's changing. The information that's available out there is really there for you. Um, Thank you so much for giving me a chance to talk to parents about how we can take that information and support support the young people in our lives yay thank yay. you thank, <laughs> thank you. you so now much hit publish and get it out to people because they need to hear this so good oh, thanks thank Ashton. You. thank yeah. you have a good evening thanks for spending time with me today remember to check out the show notes for related resources You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.